At Lexia, we know literacy changes lives. As the gateway to the future for every student, literacy can boost their confidence and help them realize their full potential. Based on the science of reading, our literacy programs, along with all of those dedicated educators, can change the path of students' lives forever. We believe literacy can and should be for all. That's why at Lexia, we're all for literacy. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. I just recorded my whole intro and then I realized that um, my microphone was ta- <laughs> turned all the way down to zero. I was like, fuck! <laughs> so uh, this is take two. Today I have an awesome, awesome episode lined up for you. As I mentioned on Monday, I'm talking to two extremely smart Aussies. Uh, they run Greater Than X. Their names are Matthew Mitka and Nathan Kinch. Nathan, I've interviewed a couple of times on my previous show, The Oyster. Uh, he's awesome. I've got some of our interviews up on YouTube as well. And it was great to get Matthew in for this chat as well. These guys are just so, so smart. They're probably two of the smartest people. Actually, no, I have interviewed lots of smart people, but they're right up there. They're definitely in the top five or top 10 smartest people I've met and smartest people I've interviewed. Um, We're talking about big questions today. So if you're kind of looking for an episode that's specifically related to marketing and brand growth, this is not it, but I encourage you to hang around and listen to this because this is for basically anyone who considers themselves a citizen of the globe. Um, Some really big questions we talk about in terms of the economy, in terms of money, in terms of you know, whether employment even needs to exist. And uh, it's just, it's really inspirational to talk to to these guys. We uh, talk about an awesome, awesome author who I love, Yuval Noah Harari. He's not just an author, he uh, is a historian. And I don't know if he considers himself an anthropologist, but he seems like an anthropologist. But Anyway, there's a lot of cool resources that Matt and Nate talk about in this episode, and I'll make sure I put all of the links to to those in the show notes as well. Um, Really, this is about how do we design a better future. So I'd really love to get a discussion going on this as well. I'm going to put this, a segment of this up on YouTube, and there's also a LinkedIn live version of this. So if you want to sort of join in the conversation I'll put the links to those in there as well so you can just directly comment in there because I don't think I don't know if there's a way to comment on podcasts I don't think there is Uh, also feel free obviously to reach out to me and reach out to Nate and Matt I'll put the links to their LinkedIn profiles in the show notes and if you want to find out more about greater than x head over to greater than experience dot design I'll put the link to that one in the show notes as well If you like this episode, uh, make sure you send it to people who you think would love it as well. So you can share it with them on a text message. You can share it with them on LinkedIn. uh, You can share it on social media. That would be awesome. It really, really helps to support the show. Your recommendations are much more valuable than my recommendations, right? Because like, obviously, I think my show is good because I've made it. I'm a bit biased, but people trust people who listen to shows. So please, if you like it, do consider sharing it and also leaving a positive rating and review. It really helps me to keep the show going. If you feel like giving me some extra support for all the work I'm doing, I'm really trying to bring you like world-class information. So 
that's my goal here and it's a lot of work and I want to keep it free. But for those of you who can afford it, uh, you know, I'm bringing you three episodes a week. Please consider buying me a cup of coffee on my Kofi page. So that's ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Crest. You can do it as a once-off thing or as a once-a-month thing. But I would really appreciate it uh, if you can afford it. If you can't afford it, that's totally cool. Like I said, there's other ways that you can support the show. Share it on Twitter, share it with your friends, share it with family and rate and review the show. All right, let's get on to today's episode. I know you're going to love it. And like I said, check out the show notes for all the extra resources and info as well that we talk about in this episode. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here, and joining me this afternoon is Nate and Matt from Greater Than X to talk about the new future of work and what that might look like. So guys, I might just get you to start off by introducing yourselves to everyone a little bit. Age before beauty, mate. <laughs> good, good way to start. Um, so myself, Matt, I'm uh, the Chief Platform Officer of uh, Greater Than X and uh, what, it, what that means, we might touch on that um, throughout the duration of this call. Um, been working and had interest in, uh, I guess, well-being, uh, personal data, privacy, data ethics for for just over a decade now, um, and been kind of working in various uh, facets of that that kind of broad field um, for for the past ten years as well. So that's a bit of a uh, intro from me. Over over to the beautiful uh, Nate. <laughs> oh no, I'm never going to live that down. Thanks, mate. Uh, my name's Nathan. I'm the CEO of Graden X and one of the co-founders. Uh, I, I, similar to Matt, I've I've been really interested in the impact that we as individuals can have on like like the future that we want to design for a long time, and the way in which power and information asymmetry uh, like impacts our ability to do that well and to do that collectively. Um, and to do that in a way that's benefiting many rather than just few. Um, and that sort of led me to nerd out really hard on on this data ethics and, and privacy and data protection and data trust stuff, uh, which led us to found Greater Than X. And, and, you know, Greater Than X has now been around for uh, about three years. And we've done some some really cool and, and really integral and some quite important work. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to bring some of that up throughout this call. And, you know, Nate and I are... Um are not strangers to one another. You've uh, been on a couple of interviews with me, Nathan. So uh, I'm mean, really excited to have you both on this time. And yeah, I did want to ask about the CPO thing. So we're all familiar with what a CEO is, but CPO, hadn't heard of it before, Chief Platform Officer. Can you explain a little bit more, Matt, about what that what that means? Yeah, sure. I guess acronyms are always one of those uh, interesting things. It could could mean uh, commanding uh, uh, professional um, Overton or something, or uh, lots of different things that it could mean. So, I guess in the, the context of the role that I play at Greater Than X, it, it is primarily focused on uh, thinking about the work that we do uh, across jurisdictions. You know, we work. Um, 
across different uh, geographical jurisdictions, legal jurisdictions in personal uh, data sharing ecosystems. So it's it's usually it's mainly focused on trying to figure out uh, how to design an ecosystem, which is a a complex system of different entities, people, actors, uh, and uh, find out how to bring um, those different entities together to uh, engage in mutual value exchange. So that's that's kind of the the abstract uh, aspect of it, you know. But it, the work that I do involves everything from what a business analyst would do, someone doing uh, kind of uh, uh, organizational. Um, uh, architecture, systems change within an organization. I do design work like visual design, UX design. It, it, it involves service design. It involves a lot of different things. Um, but chief, chief platform officer, I'm responsible for uh, making sure that we can we can connect all the complex dots with the clients that we work with, um, with the in- information sharing initiatives that we work on um, with, with organizations like the open banking implementation entity in the UK or, or here in Australia with a data standards body. Um, so that, yeah, that's a little, little bit of the gist. You do everything basically, it sounds like. <laughs> so what, what do you do, Nathan? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I get coffee. I, uh, every now and then I'm fortunate enough to put my face in front of a camera. Uh, and then outside of that, I have no idea how I spend my time. I can barely recall the days. <laughs> Well, I think that's just like part of running a business though, right? Like that's just how, that's how it kind of rolls. I guess like, you know, the part of this is about talking about the new future of work, right? Like, and I, I felt like, you know, we, we had talked uh, about, you know, having some discussion in relation to this massive disruption, completely sort of unexpected disruption that we're all dealing with right now. Uh, it has sort of, very quickly, uh, you know, cause people to go in all sorts of different re- directions, businesses to rethink how they're working, people to rethink how they're living. Uh, and what I wanted to do in this discussion today is talk a little bit about, you know, we're starting to see some restrictions pull back. We're starting to see that, you know, there is another side to this, that this will end. What's each of your thoughts on what the future is going to look like? Um, maybe, Nate, this time we'll start with you. Okay, uh, so I, I would argue that it wasn't really um, an unpredictable event. Uh, our response to it and the impact that it's having on society is certainly unprecedented. Uh, however, epidemiologists, virologists, and, and many other uh, scientists and academics have been uh, calling out many of the challenges that relate to zoonotic diseases uh, for, for quite some time um, and with reasonable accuracy and been modeling this stuff out. Uh, there was a lot of work done late in 2019, um, actually simulating a novel coronavirus um, that would have a very similar impact to wow. uh, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19. Um, so for, for us normal people, yeah, totally like it hit us. Right. And we were like, what the, what is going on here? What is happening? This is super weird. But I think for a very small group um, of individuals out there in society uh, that we think of as wearing lab coats and stuff like that, uh, that they've had a pretty good view of the, the um, potential causes of these things and, and many of the risks. So uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's worth us kind of noting that because uh 
it's likely that this type of stuff will happen again. Uh, mm -hmm. And as a result, I really hope that we learn from this and, and we have uh, more effective measures in place to kind of take collective action. Um, mm -hmm. The the thing about like what future could this lead to? I um, I read a good article a couple of weeks back from Yuval Noah Harari, uh, who's the author of Sapiens and Homo Deus, and uh, is just a, like a, a solid commentator on 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 global issues. And really, he proposed, and this is maybe reductionist, but he sort of proposed that we're at a fork in the road, and we can go in one of two directions. One is we kind of push the authoritarian angle and we head towards a dystopia. And, and many days it feels like, yeah, that's where we're going. Um, the other is that we focus on citizen enablement and citizen empowerment. And we look to decentralize uh, and, and do all of these things that, that have also been spoken about for quite some time. Um, and where there is also quite a lot of momentum uh, that, that I think um, gives me uh, a lot of, hope if you want to call it that and i know that was something that came up on linkedin for you recently uh, maybe we'll get to that but it does give me hope um seeing seeing that that this stuff is possible and maybe it could happen so i would i would like to say that uh the future although not necessarily within our control is within to an extent our realm of influence and what i would really like to see at a thematic level is that we recognize as a species all almost, I think there's almost 8 billion of us now that like we are all in this together. Mm. We are more same than different. We have many of the same hopes, fears, challenges, opportunities, uncertainties. Um, we laugh at the same sort of stuff. We cry at the same sort of stuff. Like we're pretty, pretty much the same. We're great apes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> We have had a profound impact on on this planet, um, particularly on our ecology. You know, like since the 1970s, about 50% um, of uh, wildlife has gone extinct. You know, like like our systems of living are unsustainable and we don't have to get into is the climate warming, is it cooling? Who gives and I was almost going to swear. Who cares? Uh, see, I'm behaving because this is live. Uh, you know, who cares? Like what I think we can all recognize is that many of the things that we do and this uh, immense focus that we have on outdated metrics and quote unquote growth uh, doesn't seem to make sense anymore. And, and that innovation happens in the blink of an eye. And to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. Our alternatives, there are likely many better ways to do this, but it's probably going to require a lot of us to define things that we that we value and that we that we share 
um, or, or we align on and, and work together to, to design a better future. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily a specific answer. It's more a series of kind of thoughts and actions that, that we as a species, um, I hope will take over the coming months and years. Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. And I, I'm also wondering if you can comment a little bit on what Nathan said about, you know, there was a there was a small group of people who had a much better idea of something like this potentially happening because I think that weighs into part of what Greater Than X is trying to combat, which is this the fact that there is information out there, but it's not really available to a lot of people, right? Like there is this this um, monopolization of of information like this, which isn't necessarily great yeah I, I the what nathan was referring to is um it's a annual event i think it's run been run every year for the for the past decade so uh, uh combined events that that's simulating this is kind of like a war games right where you get different you know the us australia new zealand taiwan might get to probably not taiwan um get get together and uh engage in you know war games this is this is kind of pandemic games um and the organizations behind it are the bill and melinda gates foundation uh the john hopkins center for health security and uh, the world economic forum so they kind of sponsor this and get a, a bunch of different academics scientists business people to come together and and simulate what what um they would do in in um a, in uh, the event that there's a pandemic uh, so, the, the, you know, the I guess the point of this uh, is that we've we kind of know that these have been there's been lots of risks around this that we're unprepared. You know, you know the the fact that supply chains got hit on both sides um, or, or markets are hit on both sides in terms of supply and demand uh, is was was kind of predictable. You know, we. You know, if you if you think the over reliance upon supply chains for materials that come from China, um, and all of a sudden six weeks of their economy basically shut down and no materials coming coming through, or a very limited amount of materials coming through to to support everything from manufacturing of cars to household goods and food and and all all these things that people take for granted, um, those things those things were predicted. Uh, you know, so. How 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 that information gets surfaced? You know, I'm just touching on the, the the idea that there's this kind of imbalance because some people have access to this type of information um, and and others don't. That's a it's a complex one because there's it, part of it's to do with the attention economy, the fact that people have limited amount of attention um, that they they devote. They've got you know certain amount of cognitive resources that they might devote to you know getting ready in the morning, you know, making kids for breakfast or doing exercise, doing work, um, you know, debating politics or, you know, the, the latest uh, show on Netflix or whatever it is with their, their colleagues at work. By the time they, they um, have some, you know, free time to read or learn about the world, um, they're kind of pretty spent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot, the, the fact that, that that attention is really limited People probably don't want to read about. Oh wow, you know we we you know the, there's threats of pandemics that could um, 
impact our very livelihoods. You know, if we simply do these three things, uh, you know, we, we can make a difference. People, it's so abstract, it's so delayed that it doesn't hurt people's interest. Um, you know, people are looking for, I don't know, Candy Crush Saga or like some some game to zone out to, you know, on, the, on their commute home from work. So that touches on um, the, the fact that people, even if you do surface this information, it's pretty challenging to actually get it in front of people that actually care about it. Um, the people that do care about these things uh, tend to tend to search and find it out. Um, you know, they're they're uh, they're subject matter experts that, that might be crossing epidemiology and interested in business dynamics or market or whatever it might be. So that there's that challenge um, of how do you make important information like that uh, valuable, meaningful, and engaging for for the average person that kind of doesn't really care about what a zoonotic virus is or that our supply chains are going to be impacted by the next pandemic. Um, and that's a design challenge. That's that's a design challenge for uh, for policymakers, for people in, you know, the, the Centre for Health Security at John Hopkins or, you know, whatever, you know, the World Health Organisation. Um, and, and I think this, this kind of ties into what Nathan was talking about is that that was a, a elicited in the article by uh, Harari and you know that how do we how do we empower citizens with 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 information that enables them to contribute to you know our, our collective our, our our species as a as a um, a macro organism that that's what there should be a lot of focus on and and there really is because our poli- our politicians our the bureaucrats in in uh in the public institutions they they're generally not that interested in having an informed public um yeah. you know that that's my perspective it's probably a blanket statement because there are people that work in government that are interested in empowering people and they're, they're getting in for, for for really um positive intentions um However, the system the system is designed to you know people you know here in Australia we've got we've got this 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 two party system with the Greens and maybe a few little independents on the side and it's just a spectacle um, you know so a lot of people's in when they do engage in politics it's so dressed up in spin and misinformation and different agendas that you, people switch off switch off to it so again it's it's a that's a very hard problem to solve in, in how do you make this type of information available to as many people um, without boring the hell out of them? <laughs> it's a really good question. And I think it's like, you know, I want to go back to what uh, Nathan, well, what you both have talked about and you mentioned Yuval Noah Harari's article. So I'm going to have to link that in here after this because I'm a huge fan. I'm reading Sapiens at the moment. I'm taking a really long time to read it, but I like, I'm really enjoying it. I highly recommend it. I did a post about it a few weeks ago. I was like, read this. It's awesome. Um, But like, I was just thinking about, you know, in terms of this being, being informed, you know, and, and, you know, not having that, that attention, you know, not, not being able to grab attention. I mean, there's something we talk about in like marketing all the time. It's something we think about as business owners all the time. How do we get that small piece of attention? You know, how do we, um, how do we kind of create a, 
a compelling myth really is what compels people to action, right? You know, and Yuval Noah Harari talks about this in Sapiens, like what will compel the masses to, or motivate the masses to act is the belief in the common goal. You know, um, in terms of what's happened now, the fact that we've gone through this together, you know, Nathan, you said like we're all in this together. What's your thoughts on, and Matt, maybe we'll start with you this time, but what's your thoughts on, okay, we've got this, um, we've got this sort of belief in, well, we believe now that this has happened. Sorry, this is a really long-winded way of asking the question. But <laughs> we've seen this now firsthand. We've witnessed supply chain issues. We've seen how businesses overnight can just be, you know, shut down and and relying on the government for, you know, just basic needs to, to kind of get by. Uh, can we use this? Is there a positive to this where we can use this um, – to sort of tap into the fact that this is some of this stuff is is very relevant and and we do need to be a bit more conscious about how we're how we're living yeah look and, and this 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 kind of leads into the the theme of the future of work um reasonably well like this is you know and and com- coming at it from this optimistic um uh viewpoint is is important and you know i'll, I'll just stay with that that this is an opportunity for for people to pause and think about, like reflect on, like okay, my you know I work for a, a Fortune 500 company and we've all just been sent home. You know we're knowledge workers, so we can work from home, and they've told us that we couldn't we 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 couldn't work from home. Um, that you know people are questioning a whole bunch of assumptions now. You know education. You know I've got kids at home. You know they've been home for seven eight weeks now. Um, you know, homeschooling, people that, you know, I've got a lot of people that, you know, and this is anecdotal, right, uh, you know, people people in my network talking about how they would, they, they're seriously considering homeschooling, you know, a dedicated hour and a half, two hours with my child, they're going to get more attention, have more nurturing for their learning, it's going to be much more catered to their interests, my understanding of their personality, than the limited attention that a, that a teacher in a class of 25 or 30 um, depending on what school you go to and how well it's funded, um, it, that they're going to get from the teacher. Um, you know, so this this is an opportunity for, for people to start pausing and start going, okay, what is this all about? What's the role of government? What's the role of money? Like mm-hmm. what is employment about? Why do we, why do we actually work? Um, and the, the whole kind of bringing people together, I think, you know, it, there, there is a lot of fracture um, in perspectives uh, for lots of different reasons. One of them is related to information because, you know, you think 40, 50 years ago, um, the, the way to communicate to the public was through TV, news media through TV, public announcements. So you could broadcast, you know, it was broadcast, right? You, you had a message you wanted to communicate to, you know, your whole public, um, the, the whole populace and citizenry and, and you communicate that on the 6.30 news or whatever, right, and you'd repeat the same message. So, you know, whether we talk about myths or propaganda or, you know, marketing messaging or public policy messaging or whatever, that it was easier to get across and have a consistent perspective. You know, everyone's got a very similar worldview of what's happening, whereas now it's so fractured. Um, you know, it's micro-targeting, it's narrow-casting of messages, um, you know, and people in their own little reality bubbles as well. So you've got... You've got the challenge around uh, 
people with so many different perspectives like coming into conflict. And I think that diversity of, of perspectives is creates a lot of conflict, but um, conflict is kind of a, a, a necessary uh, aspect of people come, you know, starting to, to have their reality bubbles clashing and having to have conversations about what they believe um, is, is true, you know, and I call post-truth world, uh, whether that's, whether that's a good thing or, or a bad thing or accurate or not is probably um, outside of the scope of this conversation. Um, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> it's in scope. Um, and we've, you know, we've, we've had lots of things that have come up in the past. When there's a common enemy, um, you know, a common threat uh, that is tangible, like we do come together and we, we, we tend to put aside uh, our differences and realize we're all, you know, we're all on this spaceship Earth together, um, and 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 all, all those things get put aside while we're, while we're focused on that that common goal, that common purpose. You know, and Naval Harari uses money as an, a great example. The narrative of money, um, it's the only thing that across cultures, across religions, that everyone believes, right? Um, you know, that fifty dollar bill. Um, you know, I can I can hand it to someone, and, and people will accept it in exchange for you know a, a, a mountain bike or whatever it is on Gumtree. Um, like common common getting common myths together is is really challenging uh, for people in public policy or academics or people wanting to to make a difference. You know, you you, you might think think you have to think about this so differently now to in the broadcast. Uh, era than than what we do now, where it's um, it's there's so many different ways to communicate things and different mental models that people have of the world. Uh, so, yeah, long winded. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices. How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at Facet is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit tryfacetwealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Did answer to, to your, your your question, but... Um, My long-winded question. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity now. It's a, You know, people have called it the great pause or, the you know, pe- people are reflecting. I'm having lots of conversations 
But again, it's from a bias perspective. I'm privileged. I'm, you know, middle class. I can work from home. Um, you know, I'm reasonably knowledgeable about how things kind of work uh, or I'd like to think, think think that of myself to some degree, although mo- most of the time I go, I go, I absolutely know at all about everything. Um, yeah, so th- there's there's opportunity for people to come together, um, you know, on that positive positive angle and and put aside our differences and work towards things that actually matter, like what's work about? How do we make the things that we measure actually align to the things that we value? Why the F are we still measuring GDP as success of like our civilization? It's just crazy. Um, yeah, opportunity to reflect on those things. All right, Nathan, over to you. So I, I want to ask you to comment on the same kind of question, but I also wanted to just add that, you know, on this theme of like the, the money myth, like for people listening to this who are kind of like, wait, what, what do you mean money's not real? I, th- I think that actually is a, like a, that's a weird thing for a lot of people to get their, their head around. So can you comment a little bit on, on what we're talking about there as well? So what do you mean by real? <laughs> That's probably the first question. Look, Matt knows a lot more about the the kind of the development of fiscal systems and economic systems than I do. To be quite frank, um, I might have an okay perspective, but but frankly speaking, Matt knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. I think when we say not real, we probably have to we probably have to qualify what we mean by that because I suppose if it's if it's an using Har- Harari's framing like let's say something is an objective reality and and even that's brought into question right but let's (laughs) so so let's try and keep this simple let's just say a tree is an objective reality a physical reality it's made of matter etc right Uh, an intersubjective reality is something that is quote unquote real because we all believe it's real and so money is a really great use case or example of uh, an intersubjective reality that 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 feels real because we believe it's real, but that becomes a very challenging question um, because you you then dive into topics that I am nowhere near uh, qualified to discuss, um, and and we start getting into the fabric of reality and whether anything is real. Uh, you know, are we in a simulation? How many planes of dimensions are like like all this different type of stuff that that I can't touch on. Maybe we could call Neil deGrasse Tyson or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> He's on the next one, right? <laughs> so in terms of, you know, you brought up um you, you said the word hope before. And yes, this was something that came up in in LinkedIn for me with um, a, a discussion with Patrick Solia Gray. So uh, you know, sort of this idea of hope. I spoke to him today, actually. Oh, did you? I told yeah, you. You connected us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, you guys have to chat. You definitely have to chat. <laughs> Hi, Patrick, if you're watching at some point now or in the future. Um, so so Patrick's point, and I hope he doesn't mind me kind of pointing this out, but was kind of like, you know, can we be optimistic about the future? Can we be hopeful? And I was kind of like, well, actually, I think they're different things and I invited you to comment. But before you kind of said, you know, I am hopeful. So are you hopeful? Are you optimistic? Can you Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I, like so, so definition of hope, right? A feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. So I didn't know that off the top of my head is in the formal definition, um, but uh, 
that's the noun, the verb is slightly different. But I think given that definition, yes, I am hopeful because I have an expectation and I desire for the pause to result in meaningful collective thought and action. Uh, so, so I think, I think by definition, I, I am hopeful. Um, whether that's like, like justifiable hope is, is a different story because th- there are lots of competing factors here. And if we were to simplify it and we're to use Har- Harari's e- example, the fork in the roads, and one is like um, dystopia, the other is sort of ut- some form of utopia, right? Um, like why would why would we even consider the the dystopia and, and accepting it and like we should we should fight for what we believe we should fight to defend things that we care about um we should fight for a better future for our, ourselves and our children and the generations that come like i would love to believe that our species can survive and thrive like that's totally questionable i don't know whether we will but like What's what's the point of doing anything if we don't believe that stuff and if we don't have hope? So, yeah. look, it, yeah, like, again, uh, Patrick's point was probably super valid um, and is the type of thing that you can have a really robust debate about. Uh, but from where I'm sitting, like, if we're not hopeful, then kind of like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we are hopeful, then awesome. Let's like, let's do something about it. Let's use that hope. Uh, and let's work together. Let's support one one another because there are going to be challenging times, um, perhaps many challenging times and many challenging experiences and situations and events uh, before w- we really like kickstart that trajectory that I that I think I would like to see us go on. Um, you know, and and there are lots of different models that that describe these types of systems of living, the circular economy, donut economics, all these different types of things. Um, and I, I, it's possible, right? And if it's possible, then there's a part of me that goes, all right, like that's worth working towards and latching onto. I felt like you were channeling a bit of like uh Albert Camus there with the, like, <laughs> we could give up, but <laughs> what's the point of doing that? I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, there you could have, like, the rationalist argument that, yes, it could be very plausible that, you know, there is a dystopia or that the human species doesn't survive or it doesn't survive in a, in a thriving way. Um, but, it yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to spend spend time on it and and I don't even know if that's what Patrick was arguing by the way to to be but I think I'm now like oh we should do a video where we have like a debate because I love the idea of a debate around this stuff Uh, it's so important to have the discourse and I think that um, it's it's also looking at okay well what are those pragmatic steps because I think you know and Matt you brought this up before maybe we can come back to it it's like with a lot of this stuff when we're talking about and when I say this stuff like systems that run the world as we know it and how they interact and what they involve it's super super complex so you know when it comes to taking action when it comes to taking steps to move forward are we you know kind of like how how do we 
how do we start? Because I think like a lot of individuals are going, yeah, yeah, sure. Like I'm, I'm happy to do my part in whatever I need to do, but you know, who do I turn to and, and where do I, like what governs this and what, what kind of brings us, uh, you know, forward. And I don't know, Matt, if you want to comment on that first, or, I mean, you guys can decide between you maybe this time. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of add um, some perspective here. I think that like these things are extremely complex and I, I don't um, uh, present myself that, that I understand them, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in them. I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, our, our, our markets, our public markets, our economy, uh, the way we do governance, what is the social contract, all these, uh, you know, they're interesting, but they're extremely com- complex. You know, if you, you know, there's a, the great kind of um, uh, analogy that was used to demonstrate the division of labour um, around like tell, tell me someone that understands all the things that go into making a pencil um you know and you, you're talking about the extraction of the materials from the ground like how to how to process the, those how to do the chemical catalyst to actually extract the elements that you want to you know getting the wood and you know so even something as simple as a pencil um is extremely complicated um it, you know its function is is simple but the process of getting it into its current state so that you can actually write with it is, is that there's a lot of complexity there. So when it comes to like thinking about, okay, what's the future of our, like our employment, our work, like how we actually use our intellect, our creative capacities, our physical capacities um, to contribute value to the rest of society. Uh, You know, and that's ultimately what, 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 ideally work is it's about us exercising um our autonomy and any any competencies and capabilities that we have to to contribute value you know people 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 seek that out um however work work isn't like that for the majority of people um you know whether whether you're talking about menial labor uh you know you know cleaners domestic cleaners or commercial cleaners that are coming here from Nepal or something like that, that, you know, it's unlikely that they'd answer, yeah, this, this work is, is about me exercising, you know, my, my creative, intellectual, physical potential. Um, So there's, there's, there's questions around, okay, how do you coordinate these things? So like, if we, if we start thinking, Where's the where's the examples of how this could be different? You know, I kind of use the the future of work here. So we have we have multi sided markets, right? Like Uber, food delivery services, things like that. They're, they're good examples of like, okay, there's a driver. He's got time at the moment. He's in my location. I've just said I need to be picked up, and I want to go there. So matching supply with demand is is what markets are meant to do. Now, like when we're facilitating or 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 enabling that through technology like Uber, which is kind of a platform, uh, it, it it starts making more sense because then we get into uh, the there, there's there's considerations here around okay, you know the the. Uh, the casual labour force, you know, people in insecure employment or unsecure employment, things like that. But 
we have the mechanisms to to match someone with you know skills verify that people have those skills there's lots of different ways to do that uh and then match those to someone that's like yeah i've got i've got money i want this thing done this is someone that matches those skills or here's a five options that i have um so there's there's a a, re- a really great example and you know I'll, I'll provide a link to this so you can share it with the the the, the listeners here uh, and it's called colony and it, this is this is um you know built built on uh infrastructure like technology that uh is um uh different than our current technology so you know we talk talk blockchain as much as i don't want to use buzzwords like that people go oh yeah blockchain i, I kind of get it um you know it's this different different thing even though we don't necessarily need to jump into definitions here but this this thing has been around it actually got me excited in uh one of the platforms called ethereum uh which which some people might be vaguely familiar with most people have probably have heard of bitcoin not everyone's heard of ethereum um but this this technology does something that connects like you know engineers designers to people that are building software you know and that that's that's in that realm but the the mechanics of how that thing that works can be applied to any particular market um any particular area of work or or whatever it might be so you know future future of work is distributed is decentralized and you know in my view I I would anticipate that we'll likely see more organizations discussing transition to becoming public benefit corporations and and things like that where where you know it's not about shareholder primacy and 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 the the private shareholders and and sometimes public probably even more so now because central banks are buying up stocks all the time now trouble there let's not go down that rabbit hole um, so I I would say that you're going to see those trends now all of a sudden it's it's like the the purpose of that organization isn't there to just increase shareholder uh payments on dividends um every year or every quarter or however it might work in the different jurisdictions it's there to optimize for some type of social impact some benefit to the collective the commons um you know and all of a sudden you're, you you start things start changing pretty dramatically um when you when you when you hit when you make subtle changes in different systems um it catalyzes all these huge huge changes across across so many unrelated areas so i would i anticipate a lot of those things being more relevant it's already there's lots of discussions taking place now they're ramping up in momentum because people are starting to like i said reflect on these things and question it so that the pause um is really important here i'll stop talking now nathan you probably got a lot to add to that as well Matt and I have actually spoken in the past about like, wouldn't it be awesome if we optimize for net zero employment? Uh, like in the context of the way that we think about employment today. And if that was the case, like let's just say that was the objective that we have, how might we go about that? Like what what might that lead us to do? How might we spend our time if, if a radically differentiated objective um, was something that we kind of agreed was worthwhile? Now, I really like those those kind of radical uh, approaches for the long term, um, and and I think there's so much work that needs to be done, so much thinking that needs to be done on the the bigger picture. When it comes down to the sort of tactics, um, 
I think there's some really cool stuff happening. Like uh, I've uh, I invest pretty pretty actively. Um, and I have a, a, an impact-focused investment thesis, and I invest in lots of early-stage startups. And one of the things that I'm seeing emerging uh, at present is, as Matt put it, a lot of companies that from their outset are incorporated as, like, for-benefit corporations, uh, B Corps, um, and other um, sort of social enterprises. And I think that's wonderful because one of the biggest issues that plagues markets and plagues society today is shareholder primacy. And we spoke about this, Loz, in the first session that we ever had where we yeah. talked about the Hain Royal Banking Commission and the fact that misconduct was being rewarded. And that's not to say that directors of banks, as an example, are necessarily bad people. Maybe some of them are, but, but certainly not all of them. Like they're stuck in a really challenging situation in which as directors they have a fiduciary responsibility to act in their shareholders' best interests. And the Corporations Act of 2001 effectively mandates that. Mm. So, you know, we've got just really crappy systems that we need to redesign, but that's going to take some time. And, you know, like if, if we visualise it really quickly, um, let's just say these are our existing systems of living and these are the differentiated systems of living that Matt's sort of talking about that really do empower people, that decentralise, that, that are like, like the type of future that I think that we're talking about we might like to design. What I hope sort of happens is that as we start tackling some of that bigger picture stuff, we sort of see this progressive transition. And it's certainly not going to be linear, you know, to be like, I can't really bend my finger that much. It'll be like, it'll, it'll sort of, there'll be compounding interest. There'll be uh, exponentials at play here. But I, so I think that will happen. Tactically, I'm also seeing really interesting stuff uh, as as an investor and sort of observer, uh, like uh, some behavioral uh, sort of change, uh, like services or applications, however you want to think about them, that helping people like make things like their everyday behaviors and the impact that that might have on, say, um, their individual contribu uh, contribution to the collective um, uh, destruction of our ecology and make it like really tangible and really prominent um, and using like reasonably sound uh, behavioral design approaches to help people like identify that and then like embed, you know, and this is for anyone that's interested, you know, um, Matt's been paying attention to, to BJ Fogg's work for a long time. I've been paying attention to his work for quite some time. Tiny Habits, shout out to, uh, to BJ. Um, give us some free books. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that, type of, that type of stuff is, is, is really useful. And, and, you know, just to uh, make this a little bit more tangible, the, a, model, uh, a behavioral design model sort of describes the, the way to think about behavioral design and then the method describes like how to make behavior change. Um, and the fog behavioral design model is the model and, and tiny habits is, is the method. And those types of approaches can be embedded into products and services, digital products and services. And we're seeing that type of stuff begin to emerge. And you're seeing founders that are being really ambitious and they're speaking out against stuff that's happening. Like another uh, portfolio company of mine, We Don't Have Time, um, is a social network for like climate activism effectively. Um, and there's a heap of like collective action that takes place amongst in individuals. And then those individuals drive um, uh, like sort of targeted messaging and sort of requests and stuff like that 
from public and private institutions. Um, and they, they try and catalyze really positive, like ground up change. And that, like that's super interesting. Um, you know, uh, we're seeing um, differentiated approaches to learning. Uh, like a, a, another one of the companies that I invested in in the US is called Everyday, and it takes micro learning approaches to help kids um, who many of them now, like they're preparing to try and have a future that they don't know they'll have because they want to go to college and all that different type of stuff. Um, the school system sort of kind of broken anyway, so probably not that much of a loss. But, you know, it's it's delivering these really cool um, uh, uh, like like evidence-based um, techniques to help people prepare for their SATs. And the results thus far are really fantastic. So just so much good stuff going on. And I think if, if I were to look at a theme, so the startup founders are, are prioritizing impact over profit, not instead of profit, but impact over profit. And that's huge. Like that's, that's massive. And I think individuals are more receptive than ever before to taking action, but it has to, it has to be accessible it has to be doable. Um, it, like it has to be habit forming. Um, and, and so like a combination of all of those factors, again, it brings me back to this hope thing. Like I used to refer to myself as sort of like a skeptical optimist. Like I lead with skepticism and then hopefully through like verification points through evidence, I will become more optimistic. And I am increasingly optimistic or hopeful um, in that framing about so many of these things. Uh, and I think the more that I spend time focusing on that, the more positive I become. It's not to to be an ostrich um, and bury my head in the sand with the other challenging stuff, uh, although I probably do that like everyone sometimes. Uh, but but there is just there's so much cool stuff happening. Um, and I think that will change both the future of uh, consumption and the future of work and hopefully the way in which we interact as uh, a, a species, um, not just with each other, but with the the physical environment around us. Um, and that's an exciting prospect. Both of you have used this um, phrase, which I hadn't actually heard of until today, where you said the great pause. And I think like, it's, it's a really, it's such a great way of, of framing it because it's sort of like there's all these habits and cultural norms and things that have been like just, you know, there for such a long time now. Um, and to have something happen externally on us that shakes all of that up is stressful and, you know, it's it's difficult and I'm not going to pretend that it's, you know, uh, it's not a challenge. But I, I see it the same way as I think both of you do where – it's worth using as an opportunity. Like it, it, there are things that weren't working anyway that most of us probably just weren't aware of because it was just part of like our reality. And now it's it has for a lot of people just shaken up this questioning, which is like all we can really ask for is like it, it all, I think, oh, I mean, we can ask for more. But like I think it starts with a question, right? Like the, the question that that curiosity of going, could this be done differently? What if this was the case? That that's where we start to to be able to to move things in a different direction. Um, well, that's my thoughts anyway. I didn't ask a question about that, uh, Matt. What's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, it's a it's a it's a really important kind of thing to uh, narrow in on. Like people people have this opportunity now. 
um, some people, not all people, are coming from a position of privilege. Uh, you know, to to question. You know, we've we've had the shake. You're like, come on, you know, like you know, it's like, oh, all of a sudden the the vibration stopped, and we can kind of go, hang on a sec, what is all this about? Um, and and that's that that kind of reflection and introspection is really powerful. Um, you know, not everyone again has the opportunity to do that. There's still people out there uh, doing doing Deliveroo, for instance, that are on a student visa that is now completely been. You know, our PM said, "Go home. Um, we're not going to support you, even though you've been paying, you know, uh, course fees for for an industry that is our second biggest export or third biggest export. I'm not sure where it stands in the the, the top five education sector, um, but." We we have that opportunity to pause, and I know, like I'm doing, I'm doing it a lot. I probably do it regularly anyway, but it's just more prominent now um, that we can call into questions. You know, Nathan, you know, talked about like what you know those radical approaches. Although they're they're the bigger picture, they're future thinking, they're like 10, 15 year pathways, possibly longer. Um, what happens if we like? optimize for zero employment like 100% unemployment like and people go what? you know what does that mean because we've we've been hammered for for multiple generations that you know you've got to be employed you got to work right you got to earn a living um you know pay the bills you know and that's that's just these norms right they're, they're assumptions about our lives that we've just we've just taken on face value um and and now we can we can start questioning them. So you know that 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 type of thinking. There's a guy you might be familiar with, Buckminster Fuller. He's a inventor, scientist, designer, um, architect uh, from from the the last century. And he's yeah he's he's got a lot of great stuff. He you know he 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 talked about optimizing for full unemployment. That's what we should. That's what we actually should be working towards. Um, we have we have so much of the technological solutions to to these problems. It's actually it's more around incentives and political will and different agendas um, that stops us from achieving our potential in that area. Um, you know, another one that that is relevant uh, to to what Nathan just mentioned as well. Um, before he jets off to to um, take care of his bubs, um, is the the fact that all these startups are bringing these things to to the surface, and I'm paraphrasing Buckminster Fuller here, but he he said something along the lines that don't don't try to educate people um, to to uh, help them think about things in new ways. Give them a tool that leads to new ways of thinking, um, because education education like just changing someone's perspective doesn't lead to effective behaviour change. It doesn't lead to people breaking down the bull s rules that that influence their, our norms and our ways of kind of interacting um so nathan i'll i'll, I'll let i gotta you... go guys i'm really sorry this is awesome let's do it again i've gotta i've gotta get into daddy mode so it's time to get really serious <laughs> guys thanks so much um have an awesome yeah. night and we'll speak soon thanks guys bye-bye so there you go. That was my interview with Nathan and Matt from Greater Than X. Like I said, check out the show notes because there is so much info there and there's a lot of cool stuff to go check out. 
Thank you again for listening. If you made it all the way to the end, then clearly you are a fan of this episode. So like I said, please consider sharing it. Make sure you subscribe. And I did realize there is another way that you can comment. Uh, you can tweet at me. So at Lauren Cress 89, uh, send me a tweet of what you thought of this episode and we can get a discussion going on how we design a better future. I'll chat to you again on Friday. Stay well, guys.